getting text so messages. Live. Hi, and welcome to The Art of Film Funding. I'm your co-host, Claire Papan, along with Carol Dean, author of the best-selling book, The Art of Film Funding. Carol is also the founder and president of From the Heart Productions and the host of this show. Today, we are joined by our guest host, filmmaker Heather Lenz, best known for directing and producing the Sundance documentary, Kusama Infinity. Our special guest today is Christine Fugate, an award-winning director and producer whose work has screened in theaters and broadcast on channels around the world. She's produced pilots and programming for networks including Discovery, VH1, Disney, A&E, Sundance, Travel Channel, PBS, and HBO. She's interviewed celebrities such as Tom Hanks, Julie Andrews, and Anne Hathaway. Christine named one of the showbiz top 100 directors for her unscripted work. She's an assistant professor in documentary and narrative film at Chapman University. Today, Heather and Christine will discuss Queen Morea, Christine's new documentary. Well, thank you so much for the introduction, Claire, and thank you, Christine, for joining us today. I'm super excited to talk about your new documentary. For anyone who hasn't seen it, uh, it recently premiered, could you please tell us a little bit about what it's about? Um, Yeah, Queen Maria is a half-hour or 27-minute documentary that follows um, Maria Halston, who was born with Williams syndrome, a uh, rare genetic condition. And it follows her as she um, graduates from high school and then enters adult life and looking at what exactly is that like for somebody with Williams syndrome. And we get to see her life. We get to know her family, her best friend, her boyfriend, and really look at an intimate, intimate look at her life. Well, it's a really um, captivating film, and, and it's, I can tell you really had a great connection. I'm wondering how the two of you met, and when, what was it that made you decide to make a film about her? Well, actually, I think I started the film six years ago, and I happened to be at the uh, Laguna Beach High School football homecoming game, and my daughter was dancing there. And Maria had been nominated for Homecoming Queen, and she won. And when she won, as you see in the film, she dropped to the ground with gratitude. She was so overwhelmed with emotion. And I teared up, and I turned around, and everyone in the stands were standing up clapping and crying. It was one of the most emotional group moments I've ever experienced. And I thought, this woman is very special. I need to get, I want to know who she is and what she's about. And so I talked to the family about making a film and it started from there six years ago. 
Wow. And yes, that is a, it's a really profound moment in the film. It made a strong impression on me. And so for anyone who has not previously heard of Williams syndrome, what's the most important thing to understand about it and how rare is it? It's a rare um, genetic condition that is not necessarily curable. It's the um, missing DNA sequence. And um, they, uh, people born with Williams syndrome have high emotional intelligence, very uh, friendly, caring, loving. It also can be accompanied with uh, intellectual uh, challenges and sometimes physical challenges. So in some ways, people say that it's the opposite of autism spectrum disorder, which is interesting because in the film, her boyfriend, Jordan, has autism, and he thinks that Maria has autism, which she doesn't, but which is interesting um, how the genetic conditions are very opposite of each other. I have to say that Maria probably has probably one of the highest emotional intelligence or, you know, IQ of anybody I've ever met. She's incredibly empathetic and seems to almost know what is, what is going on with people when she sees them. That's a pretty amazing skill and something that I actually, or a gift I would say, it's something that I actually had a hard time capturing on film. It's very hard to kind of capture that empathy I worked really hard at it. I don't know. It was one of the more difficult challenges in making the film. Well, it's certainly true. With a film, you can't capture everything, but I do think that came through. And, I mean, to have that kind of, um, you know, warmth and ability to, to speak to a wide range of people and feel comfortable doing it, I mean, gosh, a lot of people would envy that. So um, the film also... Actually- Oh, yeah. Oh, so sorry. I just sorry. I just realized I forgot to say one of the most important things that, from what you're saying, Heather, is so ironic. Um, I mean, is that people born with Williams syndrome often have cardiovascular issues, and as mm, we see in yes. this, so yeah, it's so interesting. Is- she has such a warm heart, but yet the heart does cause many problems. Yeah. So I just yeah. Add that. Yeah, and uh, the film also includes people with other conditions. You you already mentioned autism as one of them. Um, and could you talk a little bit about um, the advantages of having greater diversity on screen, but also behind the camera? Uh, yes. So for me, it was the film went through several editing passages. Uh, where we have parents talking about conditions and then we ended up taking that out and we really just wanted the diver- uh, the characters with diverse genetic conditions to just speak for themselves. And one of our taglines is being normal isn't easy and we found that, that um, many people can understand that. And Maria, I'm, Maria and I actually met when I was going through cancer and she would come and sit with me at soccer games. We, we we were friendly, but I didn't know her as well as I did after I started filming. And so Maria has always said that we're both survivors and we understand each other. 
I also live with Ehlers-Danlos um, syndrome, which is also a genetic condition. And so it was very interesting to be filming um, youth with genetic conditions while also was going through my own struggles with my health and flare-ups and constant doctor appointments. So it was really interesting with the crew also. We have some people on the crew who who live with disabilities, and there was a great understanding between all of us, and I would have to say a circle of warmth during the filming, and also as we take the film out. You know, sometimes we have good days and sometimes we have bad days, and we can't do as much as we would like to do. And well, I would say probably yeah, in a normal situation, I don't know what normal is. We don't even know what, what is normal, but uh, I just, I guess I would just have to say that it's been in, it's been in an incredibly supportive environment. Yeah, it sounds very inclusive and it sounds like, yeah, you have a lovely team around you. So um, I don't want to, um, you know, push you to reveal anything you don't want to, but since you also have a rare condition, if you would like to share with the audience a little bit about what that is, probably most people haven't even heard of it. Um, You're welcome to do that. And if you don't want to do that, we can just move forward. No, I'm fine with it. I, I, I actually was only re- diagnosed about a year and a half ago, but I've mm. been living with ES my whole life, and I didn't know what it was. Um, I have a part of it called the hypermobility syndrome, so my hip is constantly going out. I grew up with a limp, and w- not always limping, but sometimes I was uh, teased and bullied when I was a kid, called peg leg and gimpy. And I just never knew why my parents took me to different doctors. And it was never diagnosed that my ligaments are extremely loose due to this genetic condition. Um, I also have what usually pairs with it, which is called MCAS, mast cell activation syndrome. So I can have allergic reactions that um, just flood my body with histamines. And it's, that is also something that is, is very difficult to live with. And I have to be very careful during, had to be, I've had COVID twice and I've had to be very careful during COVID and flu season. So it is at times a debility, debilitating um, condition. And I would have to say I've been living with chronic pain for most of my life, especially it's gotten worse as I'm getting older. <laughs> Oh, unfortunately. Sorry to hear that. And I can't go have massages. You know, I used to go have a massage or go to a chiropractor, and and they would, like, shake my leg to get my hip out. And, you know, that would make it even worse than I could, like, barely walk when I would go out of there. So um, solutions of how to do self-care is a challenge. Well, I certainly think, you know, helping people understand what these different um, conditions are that they might never have heard of before, it's a, you know, it's a really valuable service to the community. So I applaud you for doing that. And you mentioned a little bit, I, I think you said you started filming about six years ago, but uh, correct me if I'm wrong, but I'm wondering how did the length of time you spent working on this film, uh, how is that an advantage to telling the story? Well, I think that 
I got to see Maria grow. I, 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 the thing that's so interesting about documentaries is you really don't know what's going to happen. And we were almost done filming right before COVID. Maria was working in a program through Saddleback College, and she was working at a nursing home and really enjoying her job. And I was going to film that and film her working, and that was going to be close to the end of the film. And then COVID happened, and all the nursing homes shut down. And Mm. I didn't know what to do. And so her mom and I kind of, you know, brainstormed, and I kind of did like a lot of people did and put a camera in the house. Um, I also completely, you know, like geared up, sanitized everything, but it still wasn't working because it wasn't showing what job is Marae going to be going into? What is her life going to be after high school? And so we had to really wait until COVID faded to be able to start to capture that. And still a lot of the programs that the main program that she's going to be going into for the training to be working in nursing homes, special training is not back up and running yet due to COVID. So at a certain point, I had to say the film, I'm going to end the film. I just felt it, I just didn't feel like another eight, another couple of years was going to make that big of a difference. So to directly answer your question, I guess I would say the intimacy and, um, with the family just continued to grow, the intimacy and trust and access. Well, I think that intimacy really comes through. And I think it's, you know, filmmakers always have these challenges behind the scenes that no one knows about, but you certainly, (laughs) as an audience watching the film, you just would never guess, you know, that COVID was a factor or that there were any obstacles at all because it turned out so wonderful. So, um, you know, you should be very pleased with that. Um, Do you plan to do an impact campaign? Part of this? Oh, you're welcome. And um, if so, could you tell us a little bit about that? I know sometimes, you know, documentary filmmakers these days, they, they have really strong impact campaigns or educational campaigns as part of the film. So is that part of your plan? Yes, yes. We're starting to work on an impact campaign. We have been working with the Thompson, uh, the Thompson Institute of uh, Policy for Disability which is actually based out of Chapman University. And we're starting to work with a a program called Angel Aid, which provides support to caregivers, which obviously her mom, Chris, is a caregiver. And we're hoping to work with the Williams Syndrome Association. And uh, Ariana has muscular apoxia, which is another genetic condition that I feel doesn't get enough attention so we will be going out into the community and working on an impact campaign. We're just starting to together now. It seems that everything, you know, kind of takes time. Well, <laughs> so yeah, that'll hopefully have... be our focus next year. Yeah, especially when you have another job. So, you know, I know you have <laughs> other full-time responsibilities. So as an indie filmmaker, it can be tough to juggle everything. Uh, could you tell us a little bit about some of the differences between a character-driven documentary versus a, a documentary that uses voiceover and, um, you know, like scripted voiceover and why one style um, may be more advantageous than, than the other in certain circumstances? Um, yes, actually, 
you know, the film actually started, I actually started it, started the film as almost a political film when Bessie Devos, who was appointed by the Trump administration, she said that she was going to ban the ADA, the American Disabilities Act. And so oh, wow. at the, this was at around the time that Maria won Homecoming Queen. And so I thought this would be um, a human, a character-driven story with also a political backdrop. And I was going to try to interweave those together because the program that Maria went through in high school was so key and important in her growth and education. And Betsy Divas was aiming to get rid of those. Um, but then I believe she came out against the Special Olympics and ended up getting shut down. So then I had to pivot the film completely to character-driven as opposed to also having that backdrop plot, you know, of what Betsy Devos doing with the American Disabilities Act. So that changed more to the character-driven in that I was following Maria and her family and the choices that they were making and what was going on with her health. And also, you know, with her love life, I was very interested in looking at her life. What is her life like, you know? And um, she's obviously very charming and beautiful, and she has a couple boyfriends in the film, and um, her best friend, Ariana, they love to talk talk the tea as the – young kids say, or the younger ones. So that was, it, it, it was a very character-driven documentary. I have to say, though, that during COVID, I started to think, well, this film is a lot about my relationship with Maria, too. What if I made the film into a reflexive film and made it about my relationship with Maria and did use voiceover for your question? And I talked about that with uh, with my producers and some fellow documentary filmmakers, and I decided that I didn't want to go that direction. I really just wanted to keep it more of an observational-style film about Maria, her family, and her friends. Well, the film... I'd like to uh, hop in real quick, if I may. I just wanted to let you both know that Maria has joined us. And I can uh, open her mic. And, uh, Heather, you might have a, a question for Morena as well. Isn't this oh, a yes, nice treat? Yes, yes, yes. What a nice – we've never had this. So this is a, a new surprise. All right. So I'm opening her mic now. And, Morena, thank you so much for joining us on the show. I'm going to turn you over to Heather. She has a question for you. Oh, yeah. Thank you so much for calling in. We've never done the show this way, so it's exciting. Um so I saw the film. I think it's absolutely amazing. And I'm wondering, um, what was it like to participate in the film? And also, what was it like to see the film when it was finished, especially with an audience? Are you there, Mo? You know, I just opened her mic. Let me see if, uh, let me see if this will help. Okay, Maria, can you hear us? Yeah, can you hear me? Oh, yes, I can hear you. Did you hear my question, or should I repeat it? Yeah, I did. Um, okay. Um, how do I put this together um, into a, a, one, a one long answer? Um, <laughs> well, why don't I, we, we can break it down. What was it like to be in the film? Down, I mean, yeah. yeah. We can break it down, yeah. So being in the film, 
was amazing because, as she said, it was going to tell a story about people who are suffering from disabilities, um, who suffer with disabilities and um, who um, can make a difference in people's lives. Um, so for Christine to think of that to do a film for me for that, it was pretty surreal. And then to answer your next question, to see the film was just, there was a lot going on that day, but it was worth it because the film did, did by far in my, in my honest, truly honest opinion, justice for me to, um, to be able to uh, see the film, to see the whole film and to know that, yeah, it did justice and yeah, it is going to change people's lives. Yeah, we see you in the film, um, overcome, you know, you have to face a lot of obstacles, like going to the doctor and things like that. And I think, you know, when when the audience gets to see people um, being so brave and overcoming obstacles like that, it's very inspiring. So it was generous of you to, you know, film yourself and be so open. And, and did you get to see the film when it premiered with an audience? Yeah, so I... I'm uh, I don't know where you guys are. I'm in uh I'm in Laguna Beach right now. I don't know where you guys are at. We're at different places. Claire is out of state actually. She's in another whole state from us. <laughs> but I'm in California too. Okay. Um but yeah, um yeah, it was crazy. Like there was like eight hundred people that came and um watched the whole film. Um Probably 800 um, Lagoonians that that I've uh, inspired them and that I've touched and to see them to come to see the film was pretty breathtaking. Um, And to be able to be able to finally to uh, be able to finally um, share this with my friends and my family of Laguna Beach who have walked um, with me through life was just an honor and a huge honor for me. I'm so glad yeah, you it got was to a very that. emotional moment for Maria. I mean, it was emotional oh, for yeah. all of us. Oh yeah. Oh, <laughs> well, yeah. I, I tried to get a ticket and it was sold out. So I know it was very yeah. popular. So uh, but I'm sorry. I missed the, the in-person event. Um, well, is there anything else um, you would like to tell us while we have you on air um, before yeah. we go back to talking about funding the film and everything? No? Um, yeah, I do. Oh. oh, okay, great. I feel like, yeah, it's really important to get this message out because people don't know what you're going through until they look into your lens, like in a, on a deeper level. So for me and she – she was like so good at looking at it through a deeper lens, and I really thank her for that, for looking at a deeper through a deeper lens, and and then let other people see the whole the whole story about Mo being done in a way that is very impactful. Yeah, I agree. She did an excellent job, but of course she had, you know, an excellent person to work with. So, you know, um, you know, great job being so open and, and letting her film your life. I mean, you know, I really wasn't 
familiar with this condition before, but I learned a lot about it from watching the film. And, you know, it's interesting. And then now that I heard about it, I feel like now I hear about it all the time. Like there was just a 60 minutes clip about someone with uh, Williams. So um, I knew what it was thanks to this film. Yeah. Williams is very, um, very, um, very rare as to autism is not that rare because a lot of people do have autism. Mm-hmm. Um, so, um, and so is Ariana's condition is very rare as well. So it's important that we get, get the word out and, you know, hopefully get help to those people who have these, um, types of conditions and resources and all for them to, um, be able to see that they're heard and that they're cared for. Um, and, and, uh, and they have a friend in us, so they don't have to worry that they're not um, struggling in a, and and not struggling alone with what they have. Because well, we're yeah. all okay. Those are good, excellent points. So, uh, Christine, was there anything else you wanted to um, to bring up with Maria before we move on to talking about? you know, funding the film and all the nuts and bolts things um, about making the film? Um, Yeah, just, um, I mean, I just, Maria always amazes me at how insightful she is. Um, And I appreciate her so much. And I want to say, you know, her family also was very open and participated. And I know that her father and and mother, um, her, her dad, it was really important that, the film give other families hope that yeah. there is a, a way to live right Miranda, to live um, to live your life well and 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 that was a really important thing to him and and to the family and I mean being filmed for six years is a long time, and I found yeah. that they were incredibly patient with me and um you know, when you ask somebody, will you be in a documentary, most people kind of think, I think, like a week or two of filming, right, Mo? <laughs> not not six <Yeah>. years. <laughs> no. So, yeah, so could I could I add on to what you were saying? Um, so, yeah, I sure. thought it was going to be a two-week thing, but then it turned out to be six years, which <laughs> a six-year-long journey with her. And um, I knew it, I knew it again. I'm going to say it again. I knew it was going to be worth it in the end, and it was, because now we got this to share, and it's going to do justice for a lot of people. Oh, yeah, well, so welcome, welcome, to, welcome to independent filmmaking. It can take a long time to raise the money and, and everything, especially if you're trying to film during a, a middle of a, you know, once-in-a-hundred-year event kind of pandemic like we've had, you know, recently. So. Yeah. Yeah, well, thank you so much for calling in and talking to us. It's been really fun to have you and get to talk to you directly and let you talk to our audience. So thanks so much for taking time out of your schedule to do that. That's right. It was the queen that called. (laughs) Yeah. Thank you, queen. I just wanted to call you guys and say hello. So hello. Thank you. All right. right. Thank you so much. Thanks, Mo. Right. You're welcome. Bye-bye. Talk to you soon. Okay, big Bye. hug. Bye. 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 All right. Well, that was fun. That was a different way to do a podcast. So, uh, Christine, could you tell us a little bit about the pros and cons of doing a short documentary versus a feature? Um, 
you know, I actually find doing a short documentary harder. Uh, really? It's interesting. Yeah, I do. Um, because hmm. you, you know, the the we still had quite a bit of footage. And when we looked at it, we realized we did not have enough footage to do a feature-length documentary. We, prob- we probably could have done a 50-minute to 55-minute film. But when you're looking at the film festival circuit and the screening circuit, that's not really the, the right time. And I was kind of raised in the PBS world where you're either 26 minutes or you're 55 minutes. And um, so those were kind of the choices. But we had a really strong 42-minute cut, I would say, that I really liked. Had a lot of important scenes in it, but it wasn't the right length for the film, and it really needed to be cut down. So I have to say, taking those last kind of um, 15 minutes, 14 minutes away was, was, was painful. It was hard you know, to, to, to well, cut it down like that. Yeah, maybe someday you can have a, a different uh, director's cut that's a different length. And what about, <laughs> the, so you mentioned there's an advantage in terms of film festivals to having like a half an hour. What about distribution at large? Because, you know, I feel like there's more and more just amazing short form content out there, but then it seems like there can be more challenges also getting it placed you know, with a distributor? Yes, we haven't crossed that bridge yet. We've been approached by some producers reps, some film reps, but I haven't made a decision yet on which way we're going to go with that. In the short world, you know, most people like 10 minutes, 15 minutes, so we're a little long on that. But Mm. as far as programming, I'm I'm hoping that the 26-minute time will work well for programming it within a slot for either streaming or for PBS. So we'll see what happens. We'll see what happens. Well, I wish you the best with that. I know that can be a real struggle. That part of the film, making the film is just half the challenge and getting it out to the world is, it takes just as much, you know, time and energy and effort, you know, oftentimes. So also, I would uh, love it if you could share um, with our listeners, how did you fund this film? Because that's always a huge challenge for independent filmmakers. Yes. Um, so I fortunately had a donor uh, who is a James, uh, who is a Laguna Beach writer and retired school teacher. And he really believed in the project. And he gave me, I guess you would call the initial money to begin filming. And soon after Maria won Homecoming Queen, then she also went to the California Homecoming Queen um, pageant. And then she was invited to the national pageant, which is one of the scenes that we really had to cut, which you see just quite at the end of the film when she's with the other women in white. And we flew to Memphis, Tennessee for that and filmed, and that was an expensive shoot. So he was very supportive of that. I also received a faculty grant from Chapman University, um, and I received some in-kind equipment used from them. And then I would have to say that a lot of people really reduced their services or donated their services to the film because they believed in it. And then the rest of the funding came the way that 
most independent films do, and that is through Christine's credit card. <laughs> you know, this is like, it, it, it's not the way that you're supposed to make a movie, but this film became so important to me that I say it's my six-year passion project. So um, we, I had, know. we had, I guess, four sources of funding, but I would probably say I'm the biggest funder of the film. Well, I think especially a lot of filmmakers like you end up putting their own money in, but then they're also donating their time and their expertise mm-hmm. and skills and all of that. So, yes, it's that's how these things get do get made, seems like, more often than not. So I, I certainly understand that. Um, and um, I know you do both fiction and nonfiction films, and I'm wondering if you could tell us a little bit about what you, you know, love and and don't love, you know, what are your favorite and, and least favorite things about both of those things, the pros and cons? Well, for me, um, my mentor is Barbet Schroeder. He's a French film director, and I worked for him in my 20s at Sony Studios. And he has always done both documentaries like Coco the Talking Gorilla and um, Idi Amin Dada, two doc- well-known documentaries. And he also did Barfly and Reversal of Fortune, for which he was nominated uh, for an Oscar. So he taught me that storytelling is storytelling, whether it's in a documentary or in a narrative structure. So for me, I I actually find between the two of them quite fairly fluid teaching both of them. The difference is, is that this semester I taught writing the documentary and because you don't know what's going to happen when you're writing a concept summary or what we would call a treatment, you almost have to kind of imagine and project what you think will possibly happen with a character or with a plot if you're doing a present-day film. If you're doing a historical film, obviously you know what happened and you can do that. But this was a present-day film. Then, the, then there's the narrative film where you have the script first. In documentaries, you have you create the script afterwards, and in narrative, you create the script beforehand. And I would say that narrative ends up having probably more logistical problems during the filming because the crews are larger and because you're dealing with actors in a lot of people's schedules. My personal style of filmmaking is more minimalist. I believe the smaller crew, the better, the fewer actors, the better. But that's not everybody's vision as a student or as a professional filmmaker. So I think that probably the challenges are, one, the writing. When does the writing take place? And two, the size of the crew and the scope of the production. Those are the two big differences that I find. But I enjoy both of them a lot. Yeah, I I agree with you that storytelling is storytelling. It, it seems like what, what I see in the industry, though, is that if someone's been a fiction filmmaker, they can often move into documentary filmmaking. But if they've been a documentary filmmaker, it can be harder to transition into people thinking that they have the ability to work with actors. So in any event... Um, As a filmmaker who's worn many hats, as you have, what are your favorite and least favorite things about writing, directing, and producing? Yeah, and just to um, dovetail off what you just said, I actually did start in narrative. I I did a lot of acting as a kid, a child, not 
in film and theater. But then when I was in grad school, I ended up working in the narrative Thai film industry. And so I was behind the camera and actually in front of the camera. I was in uh, a Thai movie. And so then when I came to the States, I continued to work in narrative. And then I went into documentaries. So I think you're right that that transition is probably a little bit easier going from narrative to documentary. And I'm sorry, your question was what are my, did you say what are my favorite things about each oh, here, part I'll, of the yeah, yeah, I'll ask again. And and I I just uh, quickly want to, <laughs> I'll respond to what you said. I think it may be because typically fiction films have a bigger budget and people are more likely to trust you. The money people are more likely than to trust you to downsize and make a documentary. But if you've made a lower budget documentary, they're not as likely to trust a director, you know, moving into a bigger budget with a fiction film. In any event, um, I absolutely, was asking, absolutely. Yeah. You've worn many hats on, you know, in terms of the positions you've done on films. And I'm wondering what your favorite and least favorite things are about writing, directing, and producing. So for writing, I love writing. I consider myself a writer. I teach writing a lot. And my hobby is writing short stories. That's something that I love to do for fun. And I've written a lot of narrative scripts. I enjoy that format, too. The writing of documentaries I've also done. I used to do it for um, Discovery and a couple of reality shows that I worked on briefly. And that's when you take the footage and write, and then write the story. So I love, I would say, almost everything about the writing process, except when you sit down and look at the blank page. And you're like, what do I write today? That is kind of the hardest thing. And I just have to say I do have a way that I overcome writer's block, and that is by going to a diner. I used to go to Coco's Diner, and that would always break my writer's block. But now (laughs) there's not as many Coco's, so I think I might be ending up at Norm soon. So um, Directing, I love directing. I love directing narrative. I love directing documentary. I love interviewing people. I'm actually writing a book on interviewing, the um, mastery of interviewing, how how do we interview in the different formats. I think, it, I think at any time you're directing, whether it's with actors or in a documentary, it's a privilege to be there. And I try to teach my students that at Chapman. I would say I just I get a thrill out of directing. I mean, it's like every night, every morning, I'm so excited. It's like I'm going to Disneyland for the day. Uh, directing is, is expensive, and it's such a privilege. And I am always so grateful for every day I get to direct. Producing is possibly my least favorite part of the filmmaking process, and that's because it really involves getting the money together. Um, holding the larger vision for the project and making sure that you can bring it, you know, to the end. And sometimes that is very, very difficult. It's it's very difficult, I would have to say, to be an independent filmmaker. But I've done it the other way. I've worked for corporations where they tell you the story they want, and I have chosen very consciously to be an independent filmmaker. That's the life that I want. 
Well, I can see, you know, just from seeing this film that uh, it looks like the path that's working for you because you made such a, you know, wonderful film. And what advice do you have for first-time filmmakers? I know we don't have a ton of time left here um, today to talk, but I, I just wonder what advice you would you would give to people who, you know, want to follow in your footsteps. Um, I would say that it's very important to be organized. Um, if you're going to go into documentary before shooting, one of the biggest mistakes I see is people overshoot. Um, you know, we say our rule of thumb is you shoot one hour for every minute in a documentary. Um, my producing partner and I, we've tried to get it down to a half an hour, 45 minutes. Sometimes that can't happen with observational, but I think that filmmakers, new filmmakers don't realize how expensive and long the post-production process can be. So I would say just try to be as efficient as possible. For other, for just entering the business, I would just, my advice is to always, is to practice saying yes and just trying different different avenues and networking and meeting people and following your passions. I think that it's always important to have a skill where you can pay your bills and during that time be working on a project that you care about until you can get to the point where people are giving you money to make your films. Well, that's excellent advice. And um, for anyone who would like more information about your latest documentary that we've been discussing and your career um, at large, could you please share your website, social media handles, anything you want to share to help people, you know, follow your career or get in touch with you? Um, yes, I would love um, for people to to connect. Our Instagram is at Queen Maria Film, and that's Queen and then M O R E A Film. And then we have a website, QueenMaria.com. And I also have an Instagram at Christine Fugate. And um, Maria has an Instagram too, but it's best to reach her through the through the film's Instagram. Um, she responds to people there, and that's also where we'll where we post our screenings. And right now, we're on the film festival, doing film festivals. We just played in Anchorage, Alaska, on Sunday, which was very exciting. So I think that that's the best way to reach me, and people can DM me if they, you know, on Instagram. It's a great way to stay in touch. Great. Now, I know you're just finishing this film, or you've just finished it, and getting a film out into the world is a full-time job, but I, so I'm always conflicted about asking the filmmakers in your position uh, who just wrapped <laughs> something up, but is there anything new you're working on that you want to share with the audience, or is that uh, still a secret, or, or are you just busy getting the film out there right now? Um, well, actually, I've shot my first reflexive film, and... Oh. Um, Yes, and it's about my family, and it's about memory and how people, there is an event that happened in my family and how each person in the family remembers it differently. It's a very personal film. I've never made a reflexive film like this, but I'm, 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 I've got a lot of footage, but I have not had time to begin editing on it. Well, that sounds super interesting. It's called the A word. (laughs) Oh, (laughs) okay. (laughs) Not the A word. That's probably not a good title because people go to 
the uh, the wrong thinking, but it's not that A word. It's a different A word. <laughs> okay. All right. Well, it's a mystery to that. So look forward to finding out more about that at a later date. And is there anything you would like to share with us, our listeners, that I haven't asked you about so far? Um you know, in our well, since we're talking about but we're, since we're talking about funding, just real briefly, I do want to say I have had projects that have been fully funded and uh-huh. by by grants and um, you know other places. And so I don't want it to seem like if you're going to make a film, you have to pay for it yourself. But I think that as filmmakers, projects, special projects like Queen Maria come along and they touch our heart, and we say this film has to be made. And, and, and that's why I put so much of my own time and money into this film is because I truly believed in it. And living with a disability too, I just, I, I want to be able to share this with the world. And that's why the impact campaign will be so important to me also personally. But it's not well, the only way to make a film. As you know, Heather, there's lots of different ways to make a film and to get it funded. So I don't want people to be discouraged and think that you have to pay for it yourself. But, as, you know, sometimes these projects come along and they hit our hearts and there's nothing else we can do but move forward, right? Well, I think another thing that's important is that films have different budgets. So if you're making a film locally um, or within your own family, that's going to be less expensive than if you have, you know, have to travel across the country or travel out of the country or, you know. So there's different ways to make films, you know, at different price points. So I think that's important too. But thank you so much for being here today and being so generous with your time and your knowledge. And, and it was Super fun. Big shout out to Morea for joining us and and adding to the discussion. And thank you, Claire, for, um, you know, your role in the podcast. So, And thanks, everyone, for listening. Yeah, thank you so much yeah. for having us, Heather and Claire. <laughs> what really a joy. Thank it. you. Yes, always a pleasure, uh, Heather and Christine. Great work. Keep it up. Keep up that good work. Thank you. Thank you. <laughs> well, You're welcome. welcome seeing people out on the road with the film. All right. Well, goodbye, Indeed. everyone, for listening. Okay. Okay. All right. Thank you. Take care, everyone. Bye. All right. Be well. Now, in its second edition, Carol Dean's popular book, The Art of Film Funding, has 12 new chapters to cover all areas of film financing and how to avoid expensive pitfalls. Learn how to start with an idea and end with a trailer. How to make an ask for money. Create your story structure and your trailer. Legal advice, fair use, successful crowdfunding, how to ask for music rights, and what insurance you can't shoot without. Available on Amazon under Carol Dean and at FromTheHeartProductions.com. I want to remind our listeners that David Raiklin is a brilliant and talented award-winning musician who scores films and can compose music for a trio or for a full orchestra. David is a very good friend to the independent filmmaker and comes highly recommended by From the Heart Productions. If you need music to help tell your story, please contact him at davidraiklin.com. That's David, R-A-I-K-L-E-N dot com. And Carol and I want to thank you for tuning in to The Art of Film Funding. 
please visit our website at fromtheheartproductions.com. You can also find us on Facebook and Twitter. Good luck with your films, everyone.